and welcome to Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. This week we discuss episodes 7 through 9 of season 2. and the pest was uh february 1997 wow they turned that around quick well i i, yes, I guess they did. i guess both of them were a few years after super mario brothers so yeah john leguizamo putting in some work in 1997 john leguizamo is putting in work now i don't know if you knew oh no the last i heard he was getting body checked by steven seagal well i mean there was that but he's doing broadway stuff now Oh, well, good for him. Oh, wait, is he doing, like, a Broadway version of The Pest? Oh, I wish. I'm actually not sure what it is. Fuck Hamilton, I want to see that. Mm, Who was the bad guy in The Pest? I don't remember. I could just click back on this thing and probably find out. Probably (laughs) good. Oh, no! The Eternal movie bad guy, Jeffrey Jones. Oh, (laughs) Of course. <laughs> a villain oh in movies God. and in real life. Also underneath this, uh, by the way, is a, uh, like, people also search for the squeeze. And uh, that, I forgot that the cover to that thing is just Michael Keaton getting squashed between the World Trade Centers, which are cracking <laughs> apart under gigantic hands. I have never heard of that movie, but I believe it. Oh boy. You want to know an underrated Michael Keaton movie? Uh, Gung Ho. Now that's a good movie. I thought, thought you were going to say Multiplicity. Multiplicity's okay, but Gung Ho, now that's a movie. Mm. You know, it really explores the dynamic between the American and Japanese car industries. Uh, also, Getty Watanabe is in it. God, also in this, people, uh, this reads terrifically, the pest, people also search for the squeeze, and then among this list, Summer of Sam. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that's because, um, was it John Leguizamo that voiced the dog in it? When he says, uh, <laughs> oh no, I want you to kill, kill, and it kind of sounds like Norm MacDonald. <laughs> that... Yeah, no, John Leguizamo is Vinny. Oh. I think that was the dog. I don't know. No, 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 it was uh, John Turturro. Oh. John Turturro was the dog. Yeah. I don't remember. That's anything. the only scene that I remember from that movie, because yep. it's uh shitty. Yep. But, like, in a way, that's really great. Uh, I like, mean, this fucking I mean, terrible, the whole movie was terrible. Yes, yeah, well... Spike Lee made it, though. Yeah, Spike Lee, uh... Do the Right Thing was a long time ago. I've heard that new movie he made is actually pretty good. Like, it's back to 
the kind of movies he should be making. Did you see what uh, podcast should we be making? By the way, I forgot uh, what this is. About. Did you see the Sweet Blood of Jesus? That was a Spike Lee oh. movie he made recently. It was about vampires. I... No. This I'm is a podcast about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which, as far as I know, has no relation to Spike Lee. I'm Larry no, Davis. He's not yet directed an episode. Not yet. I mean, and there's still a lot of JoJo. Six? Part five's got to happen someday, right? So, <laughs> yeah, sure, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I'm Larry Davis, and with me is George Brendel, a Spike hey. Lee super fan. Nope. <laughs> you love Inside Man. Fuck you! No, I don't. <laughs> I don't I... want people thinking these things about me. Hey. Inside Man's very good. You've said a lot of things about me as a joke that I've let slide because I don't care, but saying that I'm a Spike Lee super fan, I will not stand for that. What have you got against Spike Lee? <sighs> Apart from that NBA 2K whatever game where he had the the story mode where the friend is killed and turns into a ghost and then reads... A letter to reads you. A, yeah, like pulls out a piece of notebook paper and reads this letter that tells you what the game was about, like what the themes were. Oh man, Spike Lee. Hey, as I said, apparently he's turning it around. So good for Spike Lee. I haven't seen yeah. Chai Rack, but mm. heard good things. Anyway, uh, this episode we're gonna be talking about. Episodes, what, 7 through 9 of Season 2, which is Part 3, Stardust Crusaders. Uh, why don't you start us off with Episode 7, Strength. Okay, uh, so... By the way, trying to keep these a bit more concise from now on, because I don't want to have to do this for two hours every week. Ah, so, come on. Ah, come on. Come on. Ah, what you gonna do? Uh, hey, Gabagoo! No, well, uh, so just, I'll be upfront about this. To... It has been a long time since we have recorded one of these, so I have sort of forgotten some of these episodes. You didn't rewatch them? No, I didn't have time to rewatch them. You had all night. It it has been incredibly busy at work, which we all know we have established is the only place that I'm willing to watch this. <laughs> sure. Especially this episode, because it's super appropriate for work. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Episode opens up with Dio fucking a bunch of chicks. Yeah. As Dio do. Yep, so, you know, great start for beginning this episode at work. Yeah. Well, it's nothing explicit, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, we learned the old lady's name is Inyaba. I feel like that was mentioned before. I I have specifically written down here, man, this old lady is named after Inya, so I think that this is the first time. Okay. Unless I missed it. But anyway, um, she she's basically like, whatever, just to send your dudes to go kill, like, Joseph and Jotaro, quit worrying about it, those guys are doofuses. Yep. Um, it's true, she that's says, a good observation. Notable here, she basically lays out the future boss fights. 
Now she says there are seven stand users that are going for them. There's uh, Empress, Hanged Man, Strength, Wheel of Fortune, Temperance, Emperor, and the Devil. Yep. Tarot cards. Hey, everybody loves them. Uh, uh, so we cut back to the gang, and they are on a boat now, uh, but nobody's driving the boat. They can't find anybody on the boat. Uh, but there is a cool monkey in a cage. An ape, please. Even though yes, all the characters keep calling him a monkey, but he's clearly yeah. an orangutan. Uh, and I've written here too, this monkey got pretty eyes. This monkey, I will say, significantly less creepy than he is in the book. Yeah, I have flipped through my copy of the book on this section of it, and uh, as much as this episode made me uncomfortable... I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, because he's drawn super realistically in the book, yes, which just yeah. makes it way weirder. Uh, so they have brought with them the uh, crew from the boat that they were previously on, which mm-hmm. sank. The speed and, wagon crew. Uh, yes. Uh, and a crane on the top deck kind of like comes alive on its own, and it just like fucks one of those guys' faces right up. Just, like, hooks him in the face. Yep. And then just hoists him up. Yes, where everyone can see. And some... I can't remember who shouts. That crane impaled him on its own. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it was Joseph. Uh, So, yeah. But Joseph takes charge of the situation. He's like, okay, I'm the captain now. You all get in the holds, and don't you dare any of you leave. Yeah. It says, like, don't touch anything that's electrical or mechanical or anything, because there's a stand user about. Yeah. Basically, like, go find a box, stand in the middle of the box, just try to exist and do nothing else. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But Anne is still there. And uh, she's starting to think that maybe Joseph and everybody else is cursed. Because, like, reminder, she's not a stand user, so she can't see any of this stuff. Like, she can't see the actual stands. Yeah, Kakuin, like, sends out uh, Hierophant Green to check things out. And she's like, what are these people doing? They're just standing around. Yeah, but she went from, like, pulling a knife on them to being sort of like, I maybe shouldn't even be around these people because, like, some really bad stuff seems to be happening in their vicinity that I don't want anything to do with. Yeah, but Joseph uh, but... goes up to Ray's like, uh, hey, it's all right. We're on your side. We're very trustworthy. Just look at us. Real yep. ba- a band of outsiders here. Jean-Luc Godard. French Nouveau. Yeah. So she is told to go down to the holds, uh, but on her way down there, she comes across uh, the ape again. And the ape is, like, trying to ask her to, like, uh, free him. And he presents to her, like, a gift. It's a freshly cut apple. And she notices that it was, like, cut with a knife, and it hasn't turned color yet. So someone else should, like, must be on this ship. So you Uh, think. But we find out this monkey is very intelligent and very dexterous because now he's lighting up a cigar and just reading a playboy. Yep. Just lights up a cig and looks at some porno mags. (laughs) And the girl is very disturbed that he is apparently into human women. 
which I don't think that's <laughs> I that strange. I, I didn't process it that really because I also made a note here that just said, this is a really cool monkey, <laughs> which I regret making that note at this point in time. Like, mm. now that I understand the way the rest of this episode plays out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like, maybe two notches under that in all caps is just, this is one bad monkey. This whole thing so just it reminds me, it, it just reminds me of uh, Nim the Chimp. Do you know about him? Uh, no, it sounds a little familiar, but... It was basically, it was one of the first experiments with raising chimps in captivity, I think, or trying to integrate them with a human family. Uh, I don't like how that sounds at all. Uh, well, it didn't end up great. Basically, the lady who was in charge of him, I think, just got way too attached to him and started treating him like her own baby. And, like, even breastfeeding him. And, oh, don't do that. And then it pr- eventually progressed to the point where he was attacking anybody that would come near her and she was smoking joints with it. And... <laughs> Boy, it, there's a dollop episode on it you should give a listen to, because it's so a crazy I, thing. I need you to warn me in advance, though. The last time I looked up anything about something going horribly wrong with a monkey, it was that 911 call with the woman whose face got eaten. Does it get that bad? No. Okay, good. Uh, then I uh, might be able to listen to that episode of the dollop. I think he, like, bites a few people, but I no, he didn't. That nine one one call. If you have not heard that, first of all, going to say just don't. Yeah, don't. I. You're. It. Because secondly, it sticks with you if you do. It's basically like um, that recording Werner Herzog heard of the guy getting attacked by the bear, where he just takes the headphones off. He's like, "I never want you to listen to this." (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, except it's readily available on YouTube. Like, as far as I'm aware, it's never been taken down. Nah, sure, why not? I mean, well, yeah. you, you could argue that it's helpful because it tells people never trust a chimp. Ever. Yes. Also... Because chimps, here's the thing. Chimps, when they attack, they are very systematic about it. First, they break your hands so you can't hit them. Then, they break your jaw so you can't bite them. And then, they... Rip your genitals off so you can't rape them. That's God. true. That's that's a true yeah, fact. No, I know it's just a fucking horrifying series of events, man. Also, chimps are strong. That's why... Like, don't be fooled because they're little. Those guys, they've got muscles. You ever yeah, see Planet of the Apes? Some of them also have. Some of them also have stands. This one does. He, yeah, well, he's an orangutan, but. Oh well. Anyway, to you try ever to get see, back to JoJo. You ever see not, those chimps in Time Splitters? Murders. The ones in Time Splitters yeah. have guns. I did that. I did that stream where I faced an entire group of like bot controlled chimps, and I maybe played that nine one one call over it. <laughs> that sounds like a good time. It was a stream just for Danny. I wanted to give him nightmares. Mission accomplished. By the way, it worked. I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Back to this. Uh, yes. So, the monkey is smoking and reading pornography, and uh, one of the crewmen actually shows up and is like, "Hey, 
monkeys are really strong. They can rip your arm off. <laughs> I even wrote down here, did you ever see that YouTube video of the woman? She calls 911 because a monkey's eating her friend's face. Monkeys are scary. Yep. Uh, but they try to like get her to come back and I kind of get like a little fuzzy on the series of events, but at some point something happens, like the power goes out or something like that, and like all the crewmen are dead. Yeah, uh I don't think it even shows what happens to them. Anne kind of just leaves and goes to take a shower, and that just sort of Okay, cuts, right. It just cuts back to like the room of oh, dead guys. Yeah. Just corpses. Um so this is the part that, like, made me super uncomfortable, and I had to skip through some of it. Because, again, first of all, that was at work on the job. I don't need this on the computer. Uh, secondly, like, it is inherently just super uncomfortable. Because uh, on Anne, saying it like his Persona 5 all of a sudden, yeah. uh, is 12 years old, mm -hmm. according to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure wiki. And she's taking a shower, and we get a lot of shots for butt. Yeah. And, like, this shower scene is supposed to be, like, a sexy shower scene, because the monkey gets into the shower and is super interested in Anne's body. Do you... I think you're kind of reading into that because it didn't really seem sexy to me. It... Like, to me, it seemed like part of a horror mm. movie where you're like, oh no, he's coming. Get out of there. It seemed it seemed like that, but also it had this sort of fan service bent to it that made me feel super uncomfortable. Yeah. From top to bottom, like, this scene was like I was just trying to, like, skip through it, so maybe I did sort of take the wrong thing out of the bit that I saw of it, but, like, uh, That's just because you're a prude. Yeah, I don't want to look at cartoon 12-year-old butts. Why not? Because I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> again. They're not, not going to send you to jail for it. I'm not getting on discords and go like, I love 12-year-old butts and the <laughs> monkeys who love those butts. <sighs> okay. It's a hot jab only like a couple people are going to understand. But, yeah, uh, and it's Kotaro. us. We're the two. Yes. Well, no, there's one other person who listens to this thing. They'll, they'll probably understand. I doubt it. Oh, wow. Joe Taro shows up and he punches the shit out of this monkey. Yeah! Yeah! Though I should mention uh, that the whole thing is that the ape's stand is the entire ship. Like, he can yes. somehow manifest this whole thing. And he's launching fans out of it. At one point... In my notes, I just wrote "wall ape" because he yeah, just he, <laughs> dissolves into the wall. Yeah, uh, there's also a really good line from Jotaro here, which is just "this ape is no ordinary ape." <laughs> yeah. So Jotaro fights him a while and then gets the better of him, I guess. And he, at this point, the ape has also put on a captain's uniform. <laughs> As if to yeah. say, I'm the captain now. He and... also phases out of the wall. Uh, he's pointing to a dictionary to the word strength yes. to indicate that that's what a stand is. And then he just starts smoking a pipe while solving a Rubik's Cube. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this ape is pretty cool. Like, he's <laughs> a, a perv, but 
he's pretty cool. There's this bit at the start where I was like, this is a cool ape. Bit in the middle where I was like, this ape is bad. And now coming back around at the end, I'm back on board with this ape. Yeah. So he's also, because the whole ship is a stand, he's sort of sucked the rest of the guys into it. Like Polnareff, Avdol, Kakuin, Joseph. Yeah, they're, they're being crushed, basically. They only have so much longer to survive. Like, there's a time limit. Yeah, but Jotaro fights oh, which... him. He doesn't really do anything special, from what I remember. He kind of just beats on the ape. No, he, he flicks a button off of his shirt, which bonks the ape in the head, and then he says uh, the button is not a part of the monkey's stand, so he cannot control the button. Okay, yeah. Like, oh, he, yeah, he and, flicks and then, it so hard that I think it, like, embeds into his head or something. No, no, uh, he uses the extended fingers thing on his stand into his head. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, remember that ability? Yeah, that only shows up, like, twice? So far, although I, he's kind of on a streak with it because he just used it against Dark Blue Moon. Uh, yeah. And he uses it here. But I don't remember that move, actually, so this might be the last time he uses it. I, I mean, we've already kind of mentioned the last time we recorded one of these were a few episodes ahead, and it does not come up again. I'm not, so... At least where I'm at. Okay, I'm I'm a few episodes ahead of what we're supposed to be, but he doesn't use it again as far as I've seen. So, yeah, yeah, I'm just talking about what I remember from reading it years ago, and I don't remember it. But he beats on the ape, who uh, then pulls his shirt off... And Jotaro's like, uh, animals show their stomachs to signal that they're giving up, but you've already broken the rules of being an animal. And then he just aura aura auras him to death. Yeah, uh, which causes the ship to begin collapsing. Uh, so now the group is once again stranded at sea with 46 days left until Holly dies. Mm-hmm. But then... Uh, so, what? yes, we cut back to Dio. Uh-huh. And Yaba's there, and uh, she's like, eh, don't worry about strength, like, whatever, I'll send my son with his two right hands to finish <gasps> off the group. <gasps> also, <gasps> you get a shadowy glimpse of Dio's stand. First time, yes. I think. Yeah. Uh, but the group, uh, they, they wash up in Singapore, and they pick a hotel to stay at for the night, and then the last shot that we get in this episode... Uh, there's a creepy doll in one of the hotel rooms. Yeah, sure that'll work out. To be continued. To be continued. Let's see what director Suda has to say about Creep Ape. Oh god, I can uh, only imagine. Oh, manga, anime, manga, sorry, anime differences. In the anime, there's an extra scene where Jotaro discovers the cage is empty. Alright, uh, the scene with Enya and Dio's conversation was expanded upon in the anime, including a brief glimpse of the world, which I guess was not in the book. Um, Forever's thoughts are told by the narrator instead of Jotaro. Is Forever the ape? He was never named in the... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't apparently remember them is. bringing up his name. Well, huh. I... Alright. Okay, this is great. Yes, he's named Forever. His namesake is uh, the Wu-Tang Clan album Wu-Tang Forever. 
<laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, all right. That must have been something that was like in that art book that gave a bunch of characters names that didn't have names before. Yeah. His, his hobbies include reading pornographic magazines and solving Rubik's Cubes. Same. Yep. Not the Rubik's Cube part, but yeah. <laughs> also not the magazine part. <laughs> True. You just head to sumino.com. Even like make magazines anymore? Mm, yes. Did they actually. put the they put the boobs back into the Playboy now? They took I the boobs so. out. Did they put them back in? I think so. Yeah. Alright, great. I don't right. actually care. I'm not sure why I asked that. Please continue. Know. Suda says This episode followed the tropes of psychological horror movies. We concentrated on their application to compose with this horrific tension. You know, I'm not a fan of whoever's writing these on the Wikipedia. Uh, they could really use a copy editor I should maybe go through these and clean them up beforehand But whatever Personally, I appreciate the secretive and claustrophobic atmosphere of the ship We also had the inevitable feminine nude scene that goes well with the horrific context Ha 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 See, he's saying that it's just a horror movie trope Mmm Eh nah. Look, nobody's in the theater of Psycho jacking off. No, 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 of course not. No one would. <laughs> no, you'd have to be a real sicko. <laughs> the orangutan is really an imposing It was a shot-for-shot shot remake. It was really impressive, okay? I, just, I got real into it. Oh, wait, you're talking about the uh, Gus Van Sant one? Might be. <laughs> The orangutan is really an imposing animal. At first glance, it looks kind of cute with its big eyes, but in reality, it's a real pervert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Note that real orangutans are not this tall in real life. Ours is one and a half times more imposing than usual, but this exceptional height partly allows to justify its abnormal intelligence. We yeah. put live orangutans in a shower with real women just to make sure the scene was authentic. That's why we know an orangutan's height. We got us a real orangutan. We put him in there with a girl. We put all the girls in the cage with the orangutans. It's just for daddy. Next episode... The Devil. But you film anything in Singapore. <laughs> yeah, that ship is out there in international waters. Film whatever you want out there. Nobody can stop you. Nobody knows what you're doing. Law don't get involved in in ship films. Ship films? <laughs> yeah. Go to shipfilms.com <laughs> to learn more. Or you actually know, probably oh, don't. Yeah, please please don't. Don't do that. Don't look up the YouTube video I talked about earlier. Don't Search do for any anything. Yes, anything we we talk about in this podcast, don't follow up on it. No, especially don't watch this show. Yeah, no, don't do that. Uh, episode eight. Uh, Polnareff is accused of littering. That'll be five hundred Singapore dollars, please. Which is absurd. They say yes, that, get out of town. He says to this man. <laughs> 500 Singapore dollars to get out of here. But that's like... Hey, a... Reza, he gets drunk in his hotel room and he writes that letter to Chotaro. Yep. 
But uh, Joseph says that's like 40,000 yen, which would be about 400 USD. Uh, which again is like 1987, 89 dollars. So uh, yeah, yeah, fair amount of money. Uh, yeah, especially for littering. Kind of yes, but police but, state of Singapore. Ugh. There's there's this bit that I really love though, where they all notice that Anna's still floating around, and Joseph's just like, you know, she probably doesn't have money to like go anywhere, so like. We'll pay for her room at a hotel, but like Pornarev, can you tell her and like break it to her gently? And he just turns around and is like, Hey, you're poor, right? <laughs> Once again, Polnareff we'll, proving we'll pay he's for the best. Your room because you're so poor. <laughs> yeah. Class warfare from Jean Pierre Polnareff. <laughs> um so yeah, they, they go get a hotel room and it's basically divided as like Anne gets her own room. Uh, Joseph and Avdol get their own room, and uh, Jotaro, Jotaro and, and Kakyoin. Kakyoin. Yeah, yeah. And so Polnareff's on his own, uh, and he happens to get the room with the creepy doll from the end of the last episode. Uh huh. And he goes uh, in, and he kind of just walks to the window, and he's like, "You guys aren't going to leave us alone, huh?" And then a dude crawls out of his refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "How did you know I was in there?" And he's like, "Dumbass." You left bottles of booze <laughs> and candy bars all over the place. Yeah. And uh, Also, by the way, I really like that Polnareff sees that and his assumption is just, oh, a man must be hiding in my refrigerator. Yeah. Well, look, after all they've been through, that sure, would probably... You know, that kind of makes monkey sense. monkey did make a ghost boat, I guess, so sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, this guy... dude's name is... Devo yeah. the Cursed. Yes. Yeah. So in my version, it's changed. This is actually one of the better changes, too. Uh, he's called Soul Sacrifice, which is a uh, Santana song. And I think that's a pretty cool name, too. That That is pretty good. That's up there with uh, Captain Dragon. Yeah, or Dono Bang. Mm, man, Dono Bang is such a better name than the one that I got. What, Donovan? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, Polnareff just immediately messes this guy's face up, and uh, Devo thinks it's a who, and throws himself off the balcony. Yep. Polnareff stabs him, like, three times in the face. Like, once through the tongue, and once through an eye, and he's just like, ah, you've really done it now. He's like, ah, that's great! Peace! Just yep. jumps. Uh, also, Polnareff's ankle in all this got, like, sliced pretty much off. Yeah. Like, it's a really deep slice, and he just shrugs it off and is just like, eh, I don't know what cut me. That's weird. I'm going to wrap underwear around it to stop it from bleeding. Yeah, that's... That's kind of this show, though. This series. Yeah. You know, uh... I do like that, that he... He notices those like, oh shit, I use dirty underwear. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, he, he gets attacked from somewhere and he doesn't know where. And yeah. he goes back and he rings up Joseph. He says, hey, there was a stand user in my room. But while he's talking on the phone, underneath the bed, the doll is holding a razor. Oh no. And a straight this... razor too. Yeah. Like a... Real Sweeney Todd ass. 
thing. Yeah, the demon doll of Fleet Street. Uh, and this part, directly stolen is... from Pet Cemetery. I've never seen Pet Cemetery, so I actually would not know. Oh, the uh, the kid that becomes possessed. He hides under a bed, and the guy is at the side of the bed, and he cuts his Achilles tendon. It's Ooh, this is yeah. directly from that. Yeah, I I didn't even know kids get possessed in that movie. I thought it was just all animals. No, that that's the whole thing. Wait, no, isn't that possessed. isn't that the whole like yeah? Because it brings his kid back, so he gets convinced to go bury the kid there. Right? No, it's that they think that uh yeah, whatever's buried in the pet cemetery comes back, so the kid dies, and they bury him in the pet cemetery to bring him back, but he comes back okay. evil. Literally all I all I know about Pet Cemetery is like once years and years and years ago I saw a South Park episode that was a parody of it. Fred Gwynn has so. one of the best movie lines in that movie where he looks at an old photo of uh, this guy and the kid putting and he's the photo has uh, the kid of the basket and uh Fred Gwynn says something like uh oh, I put him in a basket that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like the small throwaway line. I love it. Or no, it's like, oh, uh, I put him in a little wagon. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Yeah. Um, where are we at in this episode? Uh, I'm horribly he, lost he, he now. Cuts his ankle. Broke yes, okay. Ankles. Cuts his ankle, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So he starts like. Uh, yeah, he drops his key, looks for under the bed, uh, and then, like, for some reason, he feels the need to crawl under the bed completely. Mm-hmm. Which I... Sure, Palmer F, you do you. Uh, but he gets caught in a snare trap that binds him to the underside of the bed. Yep. And this little doll is just, like, pitter-pattering around. Yeah. Again, <laughs> uh, Araki had probably just seen Child's Play. It actually reminded me of that, um... That bit from Seinfeld where Jerry stays in Kramer's apartment and he hears like that doll pitter battering around. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like Mr. Marbles or something like that. Yeah. So uh, he uh gets stuck under the bed and then the doll saws off the legs of the bed to trap uh, Polnareff under it. Yeah. Which as Polnareff observes, this is bad. Being trapped under a bed is bad too. <laughs> Yeah, very observant, uh, Jean-Pierre. Yeah. Uh, room service shows up. Yes, this Things part... don't go well Ooh, for the room service guy. No. I was kind of glad yeah. that my version is censored for this part because it's super gross. Oh, no, I got the whole thing. Oh, um, same. So yeah, I actually found, uh, as a side note, I found a blog that shows... Uh, TV airing and Blu-ray comparisons per episode for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Mm -hmm. And so I started flicking through some of the ones that I knew had like some real good gore in it just to see like how much they took out. And so my whole thing of like, yeah, I don't know, it was kind of dark. Like I now understand exactly how dark you were talking about. Like very clearly, I'm not seeing anything that censored in this because yeah. that dude's face got chopped the hell off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, it was confusing because even in the Blu-ray of the first season, there was some stuff that was darkened. 
and so I wasn't sure if it was just that way everywhere but yeah there were definitely some parts here especially what happens to Devo like the shot of Devo at the end where like the whole screen is black except for his face and his balls uh, oh yeah which also I think is a really funny gag <laughs> uh, yeah it is but uh, but yeah, um, so the, the room service is dead, and uh, Polnareff is, like, trying desperately to use Chariot to attack uh, Devo, but, like, since its sight is based on Polnareff's, it can't hit anything. And the doll's just jumping around going, like, ha, you suck! There's a really good part where the doll jumps and bites his shoulder, and then the body is just spinning around while the mouth is still <laughs> yeah. latched on him. yeah. Oh boy! So everyone else has to agree to like meet together to discuss what to do, uh, except for Polnareff, obviously. Uh, and these good simple boys just can't figure out why yet. Mm-hmm. And then meanwhile, um, God, there's more stuff going on with this doll. Uh, like I think Cherry throws a blanket over it. Uh, yes. And I think, like, while struggling, like, the doll gets away, but, like, during that, one of the ropes around Polnareff uh, gets cut loose. He, uh, it's here that he breaks the mirror. Oh, that's he's right. Him. Yeah. And then, and yeah, then he, uh, he slices the doll starts the rope. running around, like, breaking booze and, like, beer bottles around the bed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which, like, his goal is to light it on fire, which doesn't quite make sense to me, because I don't like alcohol like hard liquor would be flammable but i don't think that there would be enough alcohol content in like a beer to really be that much of a danger and i would assume that if you're pouring beer into like hard liquor you're diluting it yeah yes that checks out uh, in general also not a great plan because he has a knife <laughs> yes he could just, also just stab him just yeah cut his throat you know be done with it I can kind of get it, because, like, when we find out what the Stan's actual power is, which I, I think is, like, sort of revealed during all this, which is that uh, it's based off holding a grudge. So, like, Devo let himself get fucked up and pushed off the balcony on purpose, because then he could hold a stronger grudge against Polnareff, which would make his stand stronger. So I would think, like, as part of that, he would be as vindictive and torturous as possible with Polnareff. Mm. I guess so. Yeah, uh, he also... also, this is the point where he, the doll's head flips around and he says, I'm gonna bite your balls off now. <laughs> Mine is, hey, Potterefu, I'm gonna chop your nuts off now, man. Yeah, he says man. Polnareff says something like, uh, what an... Oh, oh, right. It, um, it's not about the flame. It's uh, a short-circuiting hairdryer. He was going to electrocute him. Oh, okay. Mine made it sound like it was more he was going to use that to to start the fire. It has a flame coming out of it, but I think uh, the idea is that it just electrocutes him. He also says that I've surrounded you with beer, juice, and alcohol. So I uh, think the idea yeah. is just that's liquid. I. It might have been something with my translation. It's been a while since I watched it. It could also have just been that like. The visual cue of the fire made me think they were going in a different direction. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, I'm trying to... Um, I'm keeping these running here while we're doing this. 
next to me with an iPad, so I can kind of just scrub around and check stuff like that. Oh, that's so, a good idea. I would I would do that if I weren't so sure that I'd get like a Bitcoining mining virus on my computer if I went oh. to this idea. So yeah, with with this with your weirdo site, but you can watch yeah. them on uh, Crunchyroll, Crunchyroll free. Yeah, I probably could. No, you can't. Uh, no, probably. Maybe, you know, one day. <laughs> okay. Sure, be <laughs> obstinate about it. <laughs> I will. Being obstinate is what makes my stand stronger. Uh, mm. But Polnareff, like, the, he uses the shattered glass, uh, the reflection of it, to pinpoint where Devo is so he could send, uh, so he could attack with Chariot, and he slices Devo up real good. Yeah. Real, real good. Yep. Says he to go with. Says he will slice everything up except his balls. Yes. He does. That's the only thing that will be left. So then you see uh, the body of Devo in the bathroom stall. Yeah. And I looked at the uncensored version here. That looks like garbage. It does. I'm not even sure what I was looking at. It just, It looks like he's covered in leeches or something. Yeah, uh, the the idea being that the damage that a stand takes gets reflected on its user, but none of what we saw happen that happened to the doll sort of translated to uh, Devo's real body in a way that made any sense to me. I I think they're supposed to be sword wounds, but they just like, didn't know how to draw that or something. Uh, I wonder how it looks in the comic. Yeah, it's a good point. I don't know. Oh, are... Hmm. I kind of want to go grab my book. Okay, go do it. All right, I'll be right back. Have another book break. <laughs> Just toss the mic on the ground. Sure, it's the kind of um, expert broadcasting that you can expect here on Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast, where I frequently have to vamp for time. Well, George just wanders around and does whatever he wants. Hi, how are you doing? You doing okay? Just relaxing here, listening to a podcast? That's cool. I'm just doing a podcast about an anime with my bud. This whole thing was just a scam to get him to watch it. It's worked, so, you know, that's cool. Remember, uh, <clears throat> remember you can email us if you have any sort of emails. At uh, Larry at destroyallchildren.com I guess I might as well throw that in here now So nothing else is happening, that's for sure Uh, this looks exactly as terrible in the comic as it does in the show Oh, okay Well, maybe Rocky just I... didn't know how to draw sword wounds I think the leech things that we're looking at Are supposed to be cuts in the fabric of his outfit Hmm I don't know about that that's look like sort of what lips. it looks like to me, but I, yes, they look like, yeah, they look bizarre. Hey, this is this is not this is not well drawn. Well, then at least uh, the end is accurate. Yeah, it does show me though, uh, kind of flipping through. So, like this next sequence, we might as well get into because I'm already noticing some differences in the book that obviously they couldn't get away with on broadcast. Um. So, like, the the police are now questioning Polnareff, and Joseph is just like, now nah, we'll send some speedwagon guys, they'll take care of it. 
Uh, but while we're here, I'm going to use Hermit Purple again to sort of see what Dio's up to. Uh, but we find out he doesn't need to just use it on a camera. He could use it on pretty much anything capable of, like, returning an image. So he uses it on the TV. Mm -hmm. And as it's flipping through the channel, each word that it stops on is spelling out a message for them. Uh, so it's, like, flipping through a lot of fake programs, but I'm, like, looking through the book, and it's stuff like uh, uh, Doraemon. Yeah. Uh, Vito Corleone is in here. Yep. <laughs> I do remember Like, just that. straight up him? Yep. And, like, a super realistic uh, picture of a cat. Okay. Uh, and something that just says, Jeff Beck's gu uh, Guitar Shop. <laughs> Araki loved him some Jeff Beck. What can I say? Yeah, man. This is, uh, it's great. So, but it's spelling out, um, like, there's a traitor among you. Uh, and it's Kakyoin. Yes. He's still Dio's servant. Yep. And then so we get a quick shot of Dio. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, hey, motherfucker, what's this nanny state shit? I get mean, out you, of my house. And he blows up the TV. <laughs> you didn't really mention exactly, like, what he does. Because like, uh, I can't remember. I well, didn't write that down. Well, he um, wraps the hermit purple vines around the tv and then it's just switching between channels to spell out the message yeah no no i, I mentioned that like each word that it's landing on that's being spoken oh, is okay. another word in the in the message also the the anime version does have a godfather reference it's not as like very clearly copied from the movie but yes. there is a mafia guy in it saying like where's michael uh, there's also yeah. a, a fake Whoopi goldberg so that's cool. Yeah, no, th this is in the comic. It is straight up like he just traced over a picture of Vito Corleone. Yeah. yeah. But that's that's the episode that the TV blows up and sends uh, Joseph and Avdol across the room. Yep. And then they're like, well, this just told us, like, Kakyoin is the traitor. Where is he? Oh, he's hanging out with Joseph or Jotaro and Anne. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a little weird, it. though, when uh, Joseph is looking at the TV and just shows an orange room with someone getting whipped over and over. Yeah, that was kind of bizarre. And then he gives uh, Avdol those piercings. Uh-huh. Then uh, this hole appears in his stomach and he just puts a VHS tape in it. Weird. Yeah. Long I don't know about the, the way... Stand. I don't know about the way this show's going. Yeah, I'm... Deviating a lot from the book at this point, that's for sure. Yeah, it's like the Helsing anime, the first one. Okay, uh, differences between the manga and anime. There's an extra scene showing how the group distributed themselves through the hotel rooms. Very important. Uh, after the fight, a scene was added showing Polnareff being interrogated by the Singapore police after the incident in the hotel, but he's saved by the Speedwagon Foundation. There's an extra scene showing Jotaro and Kakuin checking on Anne before meeting Joseph and Avdol. The scene where Joseph uses Hermit Purple on the hotel television is altered from the manga and does not feature Nikodora-kun. Uh, must be the Doraemon character. Yeah. It does, however, have a short blip featuring Gorgeous Irene, one of Ar Araki's previous mangas. Alright. 
In the animated scene where Ebony Devil tries to electrocute Polnareff, the hairdryer is spewing fire, possibly adding an additional ignition effect to the spilled alcohol. So there you go. It what apparently was not on fire in the original. Much like Timothy Oliphant, I am justified. <laughs> Call you Raylan Givens. Yeah, just now I'm going to give a Rocky to the count of five before I shoot his ass dead. <laughs> Reminder. By the way, I, the I decided to just in the mask. But what? Uh, I decided to just open up this volume of the book at random. Landed right on the monkey in the shower. Great. So great. This is a uh... great. Throw this in the trash. <laughs> Don't throw it in the trash. Just because of that, come on. Uh, so what is what is uh Suda have to say? Suda S- says Suda, Suda says Episode eight is appreciated overall by the fans, and I must admit that I like it too. We mainly like it for its action whirling in every direction, like a roller coaster of anime. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't scared of no roller coaster. I ain't afraid of no roller coaster. The the animation is not the only factor of the success. The sound effects were also very inspired. Yasufumi Sojima was in charge of the storyboard and the direction. He is a man full of ideas who managed to show us new ways to approach things. He is a real model as a creator, simply speaking. He was here for every step of the storyboard quality control and in the inclusion of the details. I have a strong memory of it. This episode was conceived around Sojima's ideas. Overall, this episode was really a difficult one. We had to keep the balance between the craziness of the action and the rest of the scenes to harmonize everything coherently. We owe their adjustments to Takahito Katayama, here an animation director assistant. All of this must have been a difficult ordeal for the animators, but they are certainly satisfied at the sight of their work. There you have it. You know, like, out of these three episodes, though, I think this is the one I like the least. Mm, the first know. one's got a first one's got a monkey smoking and solving Rubik's cube and making yeah. ghost ships. This episode coming up has yellow temperance. <laughs> Comparatively, yeah, yeah eh. I guess so. But I always liked the demon doll thing. Yeah, I, I guess. Uh, we open up on this episode, though, with something that I like a whole lot, which is chilled coconut juice. Ugh, gross. Sounds delicious. No! Delicious. You know what sounds even more delicious than that? What? Eating beetles. <laughs> yeah. Fresh off the tree. Just crack into them like an apple. Um, to back up a bit, Kakyoin acted a little bit weird. Uh, there, someone tried to pick his pocket, and he's just like, Hey, you shithead, do you think you could get away with stealing my wallet, you fucking bitch? He grabs him, and he does a backbreaker on him. And yeah. he says he's worth less than a sewer cockroach's dick. Then... I wrote down here, Kakyoin is cool now. <laughs> yep, there's part where he looks at him, and his eyes are looking in different directions. <laughs> he says, you think you could steal my wallet, you little shit? I did right too, Joseph Br- or Jotaro breaks this up right as Kakyoin is giving this dude a backbreaker. Yep. Uh, this, this dude got beat up so hard that he has to do the worm to flee, I also wrote down. He also hit, 
he does the backbreaker on him so hard it apparently tears his clothes. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> it just shreds his fucking clothing. Yeah. By the way, that thing I said with "Hey, you shithead," like that's word for word what my <laughs> translation is. This episode gets real fucky, and I love it. Yeah, it, it doesn't in mine, but he definitely does get sweary, and Anne even oh, mentions it's... like he's using such filthy language. Yeah. Uh, but Cat Killing, he makes a flimsy excuse about how, like, he took a bunch of Ambien, and, like, that was making him act a little weird. Oh, he also says, uh, how dare you take my wallet with the same fingers used to wipe your ass? <laughs> oh god, that's right, he does. <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah, yeah, he say he was on Ambien, and then his show got cancelled, but, you know, yeah, Cat Killing, he made some unfortunate tweets. Yeah. It's too uh, but, bad but Joseph's like, going to be out of work now. Yeah. <laughs> he gets paid out in his contract. He's going to do fine. Well, they canceled the whole uh, Emmy push, too, and now Joseph was oh, like, ah, oh, whatever. I didn't win an Emmy before, so I'm not going to win one now. Uh, for real, though, Kaki went to actual excuses. I'm feeling tired. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, I was uh, acting out of turn. Uh, so they're like, all right, well, let's go. We got to leave by train tomorrow. So, like, let's head back to the hotel. And Kagyuin stays behind just a second to start cramming beetles into his mouth uh, off of a tree. And Anne looks back and sees us. And he just stares her dead in the eyes and says, I love coconuts. <laughs> yeah. And she says, like, oh, I guess it couldn't have been up. a beetle. And, well, no, <laughs> he, he spits out the one leg. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because she says, like, oh, it I... must have just been a fiber from the coconut. Clearly, he wouldn't just be chomping rhinoceros beetles. Yeah, sure. Uh, but uh, they get up to the cable car uh, to take back to the hotel, and Kakuin asks for the cherry on Jotaro's ice cream. There <laughs> uh, it is. This is it. Yes. The moment. He takes it, he, he pushes Jotaro off the building, and he is caught by Anne, and Kakuin is like, ah, it's just fun, and and sticks the cherry in his mouth and just starts going like lick 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 just like bopping this thing around in his mouth like close up of his tongue in Japanese it's like or whatever but in the US dub it is just straight up lick 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 it's specifically the bit though where it like tight zooms on the tongue and he's just going like And the, yeah, like, the best part about oh, this man. is this whole thing makes you think, oh man, this guy really sucks at impersonating Kakuin, but <laughs> then by the oh, end of there's the episode... A, yeah, there's a bit at the end. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, I, I did write down that the English version of this is great too, because I did decide to go watch it, because I was kind of curious like how they handled it. And uh, this is where I started to find out like the English dub, as of part three, actually starts getting acceptable. I... I only watched that part. I did not like it. Like apart from the lick, 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 the I just really don't like Kakuin's voice actor. It's just like, hey, Jotaro, what are you doing, oh, Jotaro? That's, a, that's the thing is, I don't, I don't think that's Kakuin's normal voice actor. I think that's just Yellow Temperance. Because oh, when I've okay. heard the other bits with Kakuin, he sounds totally different. But I like, I still like the part where he's just like gaze upon my beauty with envy. Like I liked that too. <laughs> 
Like, also, by the way, that's the adult Gohan actor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Jotaro's like, ah, the, the cable car's arrived, let's get on, I got your ticket right here, it's my fist, and just <laughs> punches Kakyoin square in the jaw so hard his jaw, like, rips off yep. at the skin. And he's still got the cherry on his tongue. And he's still doing the lick, 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 lick thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but this a... is where Jotaro starts to think, like, oh, this, is it a stand? No, that can't be it, because Anne can see it, and, like, normal people can't see stands. And it's revealed as yellow temperance. He His stand is that it can take the shape of anyone who's, like, organic matter he consumes or something like that. Mm, sure... I'm not quite sure how his stand works other than basically he's a shapeshifter. Yeah. But uh, there was says, a weird bit This is too. my true handsome face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh the the there's something that I didn't quite understand. Maybe you can explain it to me. When he ate the cherry, he like grew a little bit bigger, and then he points that out to Jotaro, but I don't think that ever really comes up again. Oh, okay, I just uh, looked at this. He says that he combines with any flesh he consumes. So and at so... some point he had to have, like, ate part of Kakuin? I guess? There's a part uh, earlier where he just sort of eats a chariot, just sort of goes, whoop, and gets a little bit bigger. Oh, so, okay, yeah, so maybe that's it, is because he consumed that he kind of, like, added it to his being or something like that? Yeah, like, maybe he, yeah, he's just sort of adding mass. He's putting on mass. He's going to try Yellow... it over the next season of Tough Enough. Ugh. Yellow Temperance in Kakyoin's bathroom, like, eating toenail clippings from the bottom of the shower. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> Flicking them all around on his tongue. Who clips their toenails in the shower? I do. Just kick what? them all down the drain. Don't even no, have to worry don't about do, it. Don't do that. They'll clog <laughs> the drain. Eh, it's fine. Eventually, you're not going to be able to get any water down there, and then you'll call the plumber, and they'll open it up. They'll be like, look at all these toenails in here. And just dump them all <laughs> out on the floor. I'm taking a bath one night, and like the drain just gurgles, and a bunch of toenail clippings <laughs> start coming. <laughs> You're a terrible like, oh, human. No. Put them in the trash where they belong. <laughs> You're disgusting. I don't want you to say that I'm a Spike Lee fan, but I'll tell everybody about my gross toenail clipping. Oh god, I'm so hard. Nobody should think that I like Inside like... Man. I get out of the bathtub and I slip and I crack my head open and that's how I die. Just a bathtub full of toenail <laughs> clippings, head split open on the tile. Uh, it's a good way to die. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Yellow I didn't realize that. This is funny because... Uh, I've been very adamant about, like, people who pee in the shower are fucking disgusting. Toenail clipping, though, is a-okay, apparently. No! 
it's the opposite <laughs> at least if you pee I in the shower at least if you pee in the shower it's just going straight down the drain and that's going you know into the septic system the, oh man the shower is for where i get clean i'm not peeing in the shower that is unclean but you're not peeing on yourself you're going right into the drain right? Write into our podcast. Tell us who you think's more disgusting: this guy who makes pee pee in the shower, or me? I clip my toenails in the I shower. Didn't say I did. I'm saying that Look, makes more sense than clipping your toenails in it. It was a tacit admission. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. You trying to George Costanza me? Wasn't it no, him? No, George is the one who was just like, "It's all pipes." Yeah, that's right. <laughs> This is twice that Seinfeld has got brought up in this, so we might as well the third time mention if you haven't seen uh what is it, Jerry's Bizarre Adventure, like that YouTube edit of oh, like yeah, yeah, mashing yeah. Seinfeld up with the JoJo's opening. Do actually go look that up on YouTube. Yes, Jerry's Don't look any Bizarro, of the other shit we mentioned. Jerry's Bizarro Adventure, I believe it's called. Yes, it's very yeah. good. Somebody put way too much effort into it, and it does not have oh, nearly God, yeah. enough views, considering. Yeah, it's videos. insanely well put together. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm sorry. So, uh, Anne is calling up Joseph, and she's like, Grandpa Joestar, it's Anne. Jotaro has a weird slime on his finger. Kakuin's face is split in part. We're in trouble. Call me back. And Joseph just says, Who is this? <laughs> Another Seinfeld reference. Kakuin's here. Jotaro's dead. Call me back. <laughs> I completely forgot that I had wrote that down. So, you know, fuck it. This is the Seinfeld episode of this podcast we're doing i guess okay sure oh 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 i something yes. something i wrote down in the last episode i forgot to mention um when they're checking into the hotel uh Polnareff says that he could take it easy and in japan uh in japanese that is nobi nobi like being carefree and so i wrote Polnareff hmm. is a real nobi nobi boy <laughs> that's it that's all I have to say. You no, know, who else is real Nobi Nobi boy? Kakyoin, because he shows up in Joseph's room and is like, hey, I'm here. I went sunbathing in my school uniform because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, he says he was out sunbathing and they're like, what? Yeah. In, in your school uniform? Yeah, why not? I really do like how much this show draws attention to the fact that their clothing never changes. Yep. And also, it's from that they're like, oh, yeah, this is the real one. So that guy yeah. over the that's <laughs> yeah. that's the imposter. Uh, so man. they get on this um, cable car and uh, mm -hmm. Jotaro uh, gets, says he gets thrown off. And he uses uh, Star yes. Platinum to jump up onto this platform and then across onto another cable car and he rips the door open and gets in it and they're like this lady and it's like oh what a strange entrance. Uh, there's one thing that I want to kind of go back just a second on is when the cable car with yellow temperance is getting carried away in my translation he just is yelling like you fucking bitch <laughs> <laughs> there's one part in mine where he says something like uh, while you're dying I'll stuff your mouth with your own shit or something oh Jesus gross uh, uh, it, it should be it, it's worth pointing out too uh, he did get goop on his finger, Jotaro, and this stuff mm -hmm. will, like, kind of keep eating at him. Yeah, and he tries to off. burn it off and he's with a lighter. Like, yeah, he's tried to burn it off, freeze it off, and it only makes it worse. 
Yeah, he uses a kid's ice pop to try to freeze it off. Yeah, so I'll buy you one later. Uh, then... Yeah, there, there's this fat chick in there. Uh, and there's a fat chick, the kid, and the kid's dad, and a dog. Uh, and and this is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, so uh, when a dog appears... Yes. We should yeah, have bad, a running dog death count because there are going to be a lot more still to come. This is number two. Uh, second dead dog. Um, I can't remember three? exactly. No, it's two. It's just Danny in this one. Oh, so okay. Far. I felt like there was another one. Uh, but the lady in the cable car is actually just Temperance. Uh, and he is just like, I told you my stand has no weakness, you fucking bitch. <laughs> mine, and he just rips the dog's head off in mine he also calls Jotaro a dumbass redneck and I don't know <laughs> why I, I don't know if there was any sort of indication that Jotaro was a redneck type I, me either I don't maybe it's some sort of dialect he's speaking in which again I would have no way of telling um, I mean there there was that one part when he walks in when Joseph was doing that thing with the TV and he says if you're working television sitting on top of a non-working <laughs> television, you might be a redneck. Shut up, Jotaro. <laughs> it's a uh, happy but, premise, but yeah. Jotaro. We've heard it a million times. <laughs> uh, Temperance, as this fat lady, uh, pulls this dog's head clean off. Yeah. Well, um, and then no, there's... He, he kind of just has it within this ooze. And the guy, the kid's dad has oh, it yeah, attached yeah, to a leech, kids... and he's pulling on it, and he's like, no, don't pull on it! And he pulls on it anyway, and just he yanks the dog's head off. Yeah, it just pops it right off like a doll. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a bit where Temperance says, and I quote here, Are you even listening, you fucking rube? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love any time <laughs> someone that isn't me says rube. Yes, I like it a whole lot. More people need to use Rube. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, like like I said, my, my subtitles get super fucky in this, but like never in a way that made it not fantastic. Like it. Temperance's catchphrase in this episode for me is very much, you fucking bitch, followed by laughter, and I love it to death. <laughs> uh but so Jotaro starts getting like absorbed more aggressively after his attack fails, and uh, he says that the Cujo family, no, no star family, has a certain way of fighting, which, which is, is to run away, just hot-footed out of there. Yeah, that and uh, be extremely lucky. Yes, uh, but he does remind us that the Joestars only flee strategically. Mm-hmm. A tactical retreat. Uh, he falls into water underneath the cable car, uh, and while suffocating, uh, basically Temperance's stand is weakening because he can't breathe. Underwater. Well, Temperance like, is the stand. Do you know what the character's okay. name is? Um, no, I don't. Because it's really good. Uh, Rubber Soul. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it just says it in the. Uh, the, like mid episode card at the end. Yeah. He never actually why. says it in the dialogue. I was surprised that wasn't changed for mine though. Because that's just straight mm. up a Beatles album title. Yep. 
Well, so so Rubber Soul gets kind of dragged down underwater with Jotaro, and like because Rubber Soul can't breathe, his stand has to like weaken its grip around Jotaro. Yeah, uh, which also allows Jotaro to just break his nose and jaw, <laughs> just socks him right in the face. Yeah. Uh, so Temperance starts pleading for his life, and Jotaro is just like, "I'll let you go, but only if you tell me about the other stand users." Uh, and he's just like, okay, all I know, though, is that an old woman told Dio about his, like, about stands, and her son, Hanged Man, has two right hands. Oh, 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 we, we didn't mention, very important, uh, yes. before, before this, there is the part where he says in English, do you understand? <laughs> oh, <laughs> to God, that's right, yeah. <laughs> so then Jotaro can <laughs> throw that back at him right before he smacks him in the face. Yes. Anyway, yes, um, hang, Hangman. Yes, Hangman has two right hands, and uh, his stand supposedly uses mirrors. Uh, yes. So Polnareff doesn't stand a chance, apparently. Uh, so he says, but Polnareff just used yeah. mirrors, and it worked out? Uh, no, Polnareff breaks mirrors all the time. Look, they, they capture your soul. Yeah. You sure you're not just thinking of uh, photographs? Polnareff is uh, has spent the last decade coding a video game in his bedroom. Uh, he's won't look at any mirrors in his house, and he only eats pizza. Yeah, and he um, has played a lot of Disgaea. Just <laughs> yes, he... all those YouTube videos of playing Disgaea, getting everyone to level nine 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 nine. Yeah, have you seen any of Polnareff's uh, videos about Bubsy three D? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I bought Polnareff's book, Legend of the Twelve Elemental yeah. Masters. It's really great. As unreadable as those videos are, unwatchable. That's not true. That book's great. Oh, you see, it was a beta. It was a beta and switch because it is extremely video, uh, extremely readable. It is extremely, extremely video. <laughs> yes. It is the most video. <laughs> this book that's on the back of the cover. This book is extremely video. <laughs> WKTV. <laughs> anyway, the point is, go buy The Legend of the Ten Elemental Masters by Nick Smith, aka Ulilia. That's yeah. that's a point. Remember that part where Kakyoin sticks the cherry in his mouth and he goes, Ulilia, Ulilia. Yep. Good stuff. Yeah. Yes. So, uh Timberance notices a drain with a bunch of crayfish in it, and uh he starts feeding his stand through a manhole and expels it through the drain, and Jotaro starts getting consumed by the goop again and is, like, pulled against the drain hole. Uh, but Platinum, Star Platinum, is able to, like, uh, send a punch with a vortex of water through the drain and up the manhole. Sure. That just sends Temperance flying, uh, and he gets Aura aura to death. Which is uh, quickly becoming an ongoing thing. Yep. We assume he's dead uh, now anyway. The, yeah. But now the whole gang's on a train, and they say that Anne must have left at some point to find her dad. And uh, Kakyoin is there, and he's had no part of this like little adventure of Jotaro's. Uh, but he notices that Jotaro's eating a cherry. And he's like, hey, can I get your cherry? I love cherries. And sticks it in his mouth and starts going lick, 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 lick. Yep, because apparently that's just a thing Kakuin does. Yeah. 
And Jotaro's just staring at him, and then, like, off-screen, he goes, Oh, Jojo, look, a flock of flamingos. Yeah, flamingos in flight. Yeah. Which, like, the weird thing about this episode is it endeared me to Kakyoin more, even though it really wasn't about him. No, not really, but... Like, he had two bits where he's a weirdo when he eats cherries and likes flamingos, and he sunbathes in his uniform. Yes. I mean, I like this great. That's awesome character traits. Yeah, that's kind of all you need, really. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, this didn't quite make it, like, the shot was lined up weird. But I guess Anne is actually in the train with them. She's in the car behind them. Yeah, it was just the way that it pans over seemed very confusing to me, and I had to, like, go consult the book to see if that made it more clear. And it, it does. She's just in the car behind them, like you said. I didn't think it was confusing at all. I There was something about the way it moved to the killer groove. <laughs> yeah. That beat is rare. <laughs> Get into the groove. Yeah. Also, a little weird to me that, like, Anne has left the group, but also hasn't. Like, I don't know why. I guess, like, maybe after everything that just happened, she was just like, no, shit, these guys really are cursed, and I need to, like... It's this weird thing of, like, she's still following them, but she's keeping her distance even more. I don't get it. Hey, let's I actually do find Anne frustrating, because I don't know what purpose she serves in any of this. I have in my hands... Uh, the Legend of the Ten Elemental Masters. Oh no! And uh, it's a fun fact that if you pick any page at random, there's gonna be something hilarious in here. So pick a page up to uh, uh, two seventy, I think. Twenty-three. Twenty-three. Mm -hmm. Scene three. It's party time. By the way, this is written <laughs> It's a, a real banger. For some reason. Yeah. May 28th, 1999 at 1.58 a.m. UTC. 45 hours, one minute remaining. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. I... What? Is that, that how long Holly has left to live? Yeah. What's this counting down to? You'll have to buy the book to find out. Yeah, see, well, you see, Knuckles got two rings. One was placed around his aorta, you see, and then the other one. Yes. Uh. Knuckles, the protagonist of this book, who is not, despite uh, the author's fascination with the character, Knuckles the Echidna from Sonic, but instead is a uh, fur-covered purple wizard who is basically all-powerful. To to insist that it's not copyright infringement, he actually gives a hexadecimal value to Knuckles's. Skin tone, or does he have fur? I can't remember. It's fur. He's covered in fur. Okay. He gives hexadecimal yeah. codes for pretty much every color that is described. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. There's there's actually a real good bit in that book where they go back to Knuckles's home, and it's just like a box with like a cot in one corner, <laughs> nothing else, a plain table with like some supplies on it, and there's like a diagram of this laid out. And it's also, just like a big box with two smaller boxes inside of it, and that's yeah, it. Yes, and the, probably the most famous line from this, at least among the two of us, is when they ask uh, where he sleeps, and he says, I don't need sleep, I'm immune to it. <laughs> anyway. I really the, need to finish reading that book. This page says, 
The scene fades to that of a pretty sunset in five seconds. The, si the sky is clear except for altostratus clouds, one quarter scattered ten miles to the east. The wind is about ten miles per hour, gusting to fifteen. Two seconds later, the scene switches to an area above the southern part of town where Knuckles is gliding around at 180 miles per hour, almost randomly about 800 feet above the city looking down. His first head... Oh yeah, he also glides. Just like Knuckles the Echidna, by the yes, way. But to be clear, he is not Knuckles the Echidna. No, absolutely not. Because he has... He, he's like omnipotent, basically. Look, I got... I got the... I got... I have the hex values right here to prove yeah. it. The, Knuckles in this book goes so far beyond a Mary Sue into his own category of insanely overpowered characters. Uh, these are actually just a bunch of bills that I grabbed. I really need to pay these or they're going to shut uh, my I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here. Knuckles narrator, a second into the fade. That was the first of the unusual events, but the one involving Puerto Rico was significantly more, in, in quotes, powerful. I don't know why that's in quotes. The last time I saw anything with even close to that much HP was during the Great War a few decades ago. Knuckles looks straight into the camera and says, Puerto Rico still doesn't have power. <laughs> You know, 4,000 Americans died on President Trump's watch, says Knuckles. <laughs> he was just there throwing paper towels at them. Uh, Make your voice heard, says Knuckles, end of chapter two. <laughs> no, this is scene three. It's party time. Oh, yes, my bad. I forgot. Written like a script for some reason? Also, this says... Okay, this was 1999. He says there was a huh? great war a few decades ago. And I'm wondering... I don't rem it's been a long time since I've read this book. I don't remember if this is part of the lore or if Nick Smith thinks the Vietnam War was called the Great War or is he talking about the Korean conflict? I have no idea. I mean, I guess I, I don't guess think I could say, tell you what's going on in Nick Smith's mind even a little bit. I guess you could say World War II was a few decades ago depending on how you define few. I get that yeah, point. Yeah, sure. Uh, I heard someone earlier today describe something that was, uh, they, they basically described $2 million as several million, and I what? had to take a moment and think, yeah, that's not a several. That's no. much less than a several. That's not even a few. That's a couple. Yeah. There's a specific yeah. term for two. The, yes, this was my point. Uh while I, I didn't actually make a point, I just went to the bathroom and had a, a brain aneurysm in private, which is why I'm uh, out of it right now. That's, that's a good response. Uh, he continues, While I wasn't sensing anything but minor things, I took on the role of a policeman patrolling the streets high up. I lost track of time dealing with a brawl, and I abruptly headed towards Ivan's house for the party. Oh, this is the pizza party chapter! Oh, that's a good chapter. Yes, it where is. Where he describes all the coupons he's using for the pizza. <laughs> that's right. Oh, here, here's a bit in page 25. Knuckles digs into his chest. His hand disappears when more than a half of an inch into his fur when he does this. He basically <laughs> just, quote, reaches in, quote, grabs the item he's after, then, quote, pulls it out with the object completely unaltered. This is a commonly used special ability Knuckles has. 
He brings out a real five and a real one dollar bill at the same time. <laughs> two, two stands watching this. Two is another character, by the way. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I, I forgot Knuckles' chest is just a bag of holding, basically. That's right. Yeah. <sighs> it's it's like it's like an FLCL thing. You just reach in and pull out whatever. Oh no. I, I just looked up on the page, and this wood says, Ivan. One second after jerking, awesome! <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Please make this episode description forever. One episode after jerking, awesome. One second after jerking, awesome. Okay. Yes, done. That's enough of <laughs> Legend of the Ten Elemental Masters. Everybody listening, go buy that because, you know, it may seem expensive. <sighs> it's worth it. Yes, it is. Um, so, to recap, <sighs> do not look up YouTube videos concerning uh, 911 and monkeys. No. Do look up Jerry's Bizarro Adventure on YouTube. Yes. Uh, also, buy Nick Smith's uh, book, Legend of the Ten Elemental Masters? Yes, I had remembered okay. it as 12, but yes, it's 10, ten Elemental I Masters. Uh, yeah, I, I do the same exact thing where I want to say 12. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know why. Oh, oh god, that book's so good. Yeah, okay. it is. Uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure also good. Great set of episodes. My favorite one yes. was the one with Yellow Temperance. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably agree. I like uh, Creep Ape, but yeah, there, there is. So I have the the amount that I have watched. That I have consumed JoJo's Bizarre Adventure covers this next set. I have not watched anything more. I can say that the Yellow Temperance episode so far is my second favorite episode of part three. My mm. absolute favorite is in the next set. So, Okay. I haven't watched those get. yet. <clears throat> oh. We, um, <clears throat> I didn't mention when uh, he's uh, Rubber Soul is talking about Hanged Man. Uh, mentions his name is Jay Giles. Uh, in oh, God, that's right, yeah. in, in my version, he's called Centerfold, which I like. Someone uh, get Jake Giles on the blower, ask him what he thinks of uh, his character being a two right-handed rapist. <laughs> well, I'm sure he thinks it's a hoot. I would like to remind you that uh, a couple of weeks ago when you watched this, you called me up on the telephone and said, what is Jay Giles a reference to? <laughs> And I, I said, I, I said, yeah. the Jay Giles band. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I know. I, for whatever reason, had totally forgotten about that. I, I have turned a friend at work onto JoJo's Bizarre Adventure who understands musical references far less than I do because he didn't even know what Dio is from. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I've had to explain absolutely every music reference in that thing. Which is a little upsetting because, like, part of the thing that's so enjoyable about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is when that reference just kind of clicks for you. Mm-hmm. Which, like, there's there's some I don't get. You know, I you know a lot more about music than I do, but... Goddamn right. I yeah. I actually really like the ones where they never mention their name in the dialogue and it just appears in a card, like that Rubber Soul one. I, I don't yeah, think I ever knew that was soul. his name. 
I I want to say that I had picked up on that at some point, but had forgotten about it until he brought it up. But like forever, I never knew about uh, the dragon thing. We both kind of came across mm -hmm. together at the end of the last episode we did. So yeah, that stuff's really fun where it's like finding out way after the fact and going like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Ma manga anime differences. The anime extended the phone call scene with Joseph and Anne. The genuine Kakyuin shows up in Joseph Ho Joseph's hotel room, explaining that Jotaro left him behind, he was sunbathing, and missed the most recent developments. This explains the real Kakyuin's absence during this time, which was left unexplained in the manga. There you go. Yeah. That is a really good addition. I think so. I think, in general, most of the additions are very good. There hasn't been any where I'm like, ah, you should have left that out. I don't think. Okay. Asuda says... Here we are! This episode includes a famous scene. Everyone loves it. The famous cherry-licking one, of course. It was the animation director, Fumiaki Kota, who had directly taken care of the keyframes. I remember having discussed a lot about Yellow Temperance's gelatinous aspect and how to portray it on screen. We also had the fake Kakyoin's facial expressions. Komino made sure to exaggerate the traits so we could feel that the character was a real scumbag. Let's not forget the gory scene with the dog, Pocky, and the cable car. As a dog lover, I was really uneasy. Ha 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 ha. Boy, Suda, you got some rough stuff coming up. Uh, I for... don't even know what you're talking about, but just knowing that there's more dog dumb fuckery ahead is, uh... JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is a series about dog deaths, in a way. <laughs> good, good. There uh, are a lot I... of them. Quick aside here, I talked to somebody about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure a while ago who had not started it, and they said the thing that hung them up was understanding that there was a lot of cruelty to dogs in it. Uh -huh. And I mentioned, like, but by, by that point, I was only familiar with the bit with Danny. Uh, I love I loved dogs, like, a whole lot. I've had dogs growing up my whole life. I'm not phased by a cartoon dog getting killed as a cartoon dog, whatever. Nope, same. Anyway. For the sky of Singapore, we tried to slide in several characteristic scenes characteristic is spelled wrong here where it was colored in pink around the end of the fight. It apparently pleased Daisuke Ono, who was playing Jotaro, since he came back to the subject several days later. By the way, the pink sky was really a good idea. I am delighted that he spotted our colorization Jojo style. The final scene is also a cherry licking scene. It's a humorous send off which hits the spot. I think there was the right amount of humor in this episode. Yeah, this is a really well put together episode. Yeah, it's good. Good pacing, good humor, good villain. Kakyoin. Yeah. So that's it for this week. Next week we'll be watching episodes 10 through 12, which are The Emperor and the Hanged Man Part 1 through The Empress. Oh, so the episode. Uh, so I did get one ahead of that set then, apparently, because I misunderstood what to watch. And my favorite yeah, one I is. Yeah, I think I uh, told you the wrong number. So. Yeah. So my favorite one, uh, just so you guys know, episode 13, we'll get to it an episode after next. I'm really excited for that. Okay. I'm really excited. Actually, no, wait, 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 wait. No, it's episode 12. The Empress? Yes, I have this marked. Look, there's. 
I don't want to spoil anything. I have a oh no counter running for that episode. <laughs> okay. That is how I know. Yeah, that's that's Empress. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, never mind. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week on Stand and Deliver. Goodbye, bye, 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 liquid. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. I smoke the feet of the skunk, tree top of the trunk, moonshine drunk, get mucked, yeah, get shrunk, the treasure stunk, I'll be fucking bitches by the gums, my name black, you words wanna play in my dirt, but stop my mama sir, free lunch from the church, I come like a thousand doves, bitch, you quiet at the bus, making the fuss, I got self-love, ungloved the news, watch a nigga transfuse, dirty at the confused, heavy at the booze, I don't walk, I get carried, go to platinum frisbees on my wall, Properly but commonly, I do a throw you right, brothers. The Indian, the soul man, I entered the white man, my grandfather. Step up, they get not right the fuck out.